Hey, hey everyone. Welcome to Home Energy Design. How to design a beautiful home and life and make sure it's energy aligned. I'm your host, Amanda Gates, and I'm an interior designer and feng shui practitioner. And these combined skills have made me a floor plan reading expert. Energy design is like astrology for your home and your life. And who doesn't want more of that? I believe in all things pretty. In fact, my team and I love the pretty. But what makes my firm different is that we can help you create designs that are also energy aligned to help you get the home and life you've always dreamed of. Are you ready? Let's do this. Whatever your something greater is, I guarantee you, you'll find it hidden within spirituality. Hey, hey everyone, this is Amanda Gates and I'd like to welcome you to Home Energy Design. Today, I have Dr. Anna Yusem on the show. Now, Dr. Yusem studied biology and philosophy at Stanford and then went on to Yale Medical School. And you may be thinking, wait, Amanda, this isn't that kind of podcast. That's a very left brain type of thing. And you're right. But the reason why I asked Dr. Yusem on the show is that she has written a book all about science, and spirituality. Her book, How the Science of Spirituality Can Help You Live a Happier Life, a More Meaningful Life, these are the principles where we need to bring the two together. It's actually been said that we spend 90% of our time and energy in the left brain and give very little attention to the right brain. And that's where spirituality lives. And it may seem like a weird combination. And I know that a lot of my listeners to this show are actually quite spiritual, but there is a divide. A lot of people don't have spirituality on their radar. They think that it isn't for them, or they think that it's too woo-woo. And they also may not have the tools or understand how to do it. So today, we're going to talk about synchronicity, how to connect to your soul purpose, and what does it mean to truly connect to your soul so that you can find true authenticity. Fear is what keeps us stuck, but if we can rekindle a love affair with our spiritual practices and have an understanding that we are all connected, that, my friends, is where the magic unfolds. Join me in welcoming Dr. Anna Yusim to the show. Are you ready? Let's do this. Welcome to Home Energy Design. I'm your host, Amanda Gates. Welcome to the show, Miss Anna Yusin. Welcome, welcome. Thank you so much, Amanda. It is a pleasure to be here with you. I'm super excited to have you on. As I was just telling you before the show, uh, my staff and I have been going down a rabbit hole with the work that you do. I'm curious, how did you go from what I would call a very left brain career uh, searching and researching, uh, and then, you know, really picking up on this idea of the importance of spirituality. Right. And it was not something, you know, I say that had anyone told me like 15 years ago, maybe even 10 years ago, that I would be a super spiritual person, I would have laughed. This was not at all part of the plan that I had set out for myself. I was doing a very traditional um, education, doing Stanford, um, Yale Medical School, doing basically all the things that you needed to be a doctor. And somewhere along the way, my path um, 
took an unexpected turn. Certain doors started to open and I had the choice as to whether or not to walk through them. And those doors were, they all started opening at a time in my life when I underwent what I call the dark night of my soul. Um, when all the structures that I had so deliberately built up around me, being relationships, my education, my career, started tumbling down all at once and i describe it all in my book and you know i can go into the details of it but suffice it to say that it made me feel like a total failure and here i was this hard-working perfectionist devoting my whole life to trying to be a doctor go to medical school get good grades and then everything starts crashing down and in the midst of that i'm starting to you know use the tools that i'm supposed to have under my belt as a psychiatrist to heal myself in the midst of this darkness. And what I find is that the tools are failing me. I can't get myself out of the darkness. And that's when other doors started to open. Um, strange things started to happen. Um, people started coming into my life um, unexpectedly, um, telling me about different spiritual things. Um, a rabbi entered my life, so I started studying with him. I ended up going to India to work with um, a guru there, Ama, the hugging guru in Kerala, and I studied with her for a while. And I started working with different shamans who came into my life. And at first, it was very unexpected because this is not at all how I conceived of healing or how I really thought the world worked. Just like you said, Amanda, I was a very left brain person. But in the course of all this, my bright brain started to light up, and I realized that, wow, this stuff makes me feel so much better. Whereas all the tools I have under my belt didn't. So that's when I started integrating all of the things I learned through shamanic practices, through Kabbalah, which also came into my life, through Jewish studies, through a lot of the Vedic traditions that I encountered in India and otherwise, through Buddhist traditions that I studied in Thailand. I started integrating all of that, and that helped me elevate my own spirit and then I started using that to heal patients and eventually ended up writing this book, Fulfilled. Yeah, I think it's so interesting that you talk about, you know, being on this trajectory of uh, the expected way or the traditional way that we would be uh, viewed as normal or, uh, you know, to, to take this very left brain path. It's, it's what everybody agrees with. It's comfy. I'm curious, just out of your own opinion, why do you think that spirituality isn't on our radar? Why do you think that so many of us kind of tune it out and uh, really live in, in the left brain way of thinking? Right. And I think that's such a great question. And the currency of Western medicine, as we know it, is science. And science is something that is testable through experimentation something that you know by seeing things with your eyes, by touching things with your hands. It's empirical, it's repeatable, it's observable. This is in stark contrast to what people usually define as spirituality, which is something that's deeply personal and subjective, often transcendent, certainly not something you can see or touch, and very rarely something that you could repeat. So that's why science and spirituality are often at odds. That being said, Right now, because people are recognizing the really powerful role of spirituality and spiritual practices in healing, people are starting to figure out ways to study it. So it's a very exciting development within Western medicine. 
Yeah, I have to say, and I'm sure at this point on your journey, you can agree. I can't imagine my life without spirituality and without having these amazing tools that uh, basically help us elevate and, and create a great life. You touched on it a minute ago, but you're, you have this amazing book, How the Science of Spirituality Can Help You Live a Happier, More Meaningful Life. How did it come about that you decided to write this book? When did you kind of have that aha, like everybody needs to be doing this? Everybody needs to add this to their life. Right, right. Um, so for me, the book came about actually through all these years of seeing patients and accumulating a number of stories, many of which fall outside the you know, traditional understanding of what is psychiatry, what is Western medicine. So for instance, um, one of the opening stories of my book is a patient that I worked with for many, many years. Um, I was on a trip at the time on vacation in the Ukraine. And I woke up in the middle of the night with what I could only describe as a midnight panic attack. I'd never had a panic attack before, but I certainly knew what they were for my patients. And I felt like something was so wrong and I had no idea what it was. I felt compelled in that moment to check my email and what I saw astounded me. A second prior, one of my patients had emailed me that he was feeling suicidal. And I was able to call him and talk him through this and kind of get him out of this state. But to me, the shocking part was, I was in the Ukraine. He was in the USA. We were seven time zones and 5,000 miles apart. But somehow or another, I got some sort of message or transmission to wake up, something's wrong. And you know, it's little things like this. Did, did my patient's worry and angst-ridden state cause me to wake up? Who knows? But somehow we were connected. And so it's experiences like that that fall outside the traditional understanding of Western medicine and science that started to accumulate in my practice. And I started to wonder what is going on here? And I started to research it. And that's what eventually led to this book. So I'm curious, you know, since you did do the research and, and you wrote this amazing book, what would you, or I guess a better question might be from your findings of your research, what is the missing link? Why are so many people unhappy and, and not basically inviting spirituality into their lives when it can help us in so many ways? Right, right. And it's such an interesting, important, and complex question. And I think it's for a number of reasons. One, because Spirituality is something that you often can't see or touch. People like things that you have proof for, that you have evidence for, that can be scientifically validated. Spirituality really can't in many ways. So that's one reason why people are reluctant to kind of go there. That's number one. Number two, other people may want to be spiritual. They may want to even be religious. And spirituality and religion are not the same thing. For some people, however, the two are very connected. And some people may want to be religious but can't. And often the reason people can't is because they can't find an answer to the question of why do bad things happen to good people. They can't reconcile the fact that negative things could happen in our world and that if there is a God, that God would let these things happen. So that's often why people could be closed off. So I think it's, you know, those are two of the many things. I think the other thing is people may want to be spiritual, but they don't know how. They don't have the tools. They don't really know how to connect. 
And so that's what I try to do in my book is to give people a few of those tools. I love that. And I agree with you. I think that a lot of people are definitely curious about it and want to add it into their life, but they're not maybe sure how I'm, I'm really enamored by this idea. I work with a lot of energy healers. I do energy in my own practice. So this idea of pinging, so to speak, on a client that or a patient that is uh, several time zones away. I mean, you're speaking my language. I totally know what you're talking about. How did that shift, shift your paradigm and shift how you started to open up to this idea that there was something much larger than yourself out there? Right. Yeah. So when things like that happen, you're like, what in the world is going on? How do you even explain this? And then of course my scientific rational mind is like, okay, this makes no sense whatsoever. What happened? And then you start reading about it because that's what I've always known to do. When I have a question, you go and start reading. And the interesting thing was that as I started reading about this, it turns out so many therapists, social workers, psychiatrists have had experiences like this with their patients. And even Freud described this, you know, phenomena, which he called thought transference, which is like a fancy term for telepathy. And that sometimes we have telepathy with our patients. We're able to communicate with other people in ways outside of the ordinary channels, outside of words and gestures and things like that, sometimes even, you know, far, far away. In a more broader, you know, in a broader, more quantum physics type of, you know, idea, how does this happen? As you read about it, there's so many ideas out there about how we're actually all interconnected. And even Einstein wrote that separateness and our idea that we are all separate from each other is actually a delusion. And in reality, we're all one. We're all matter and energy. And we are more connected with one another and with the divine than we ever really know. And that Western medicine and science would say that we are. So those are a few of the ways, you know, to explain how in the world do these things happen? Yeah, and I can definitely relate to that. I That has happened to me in my own practice. Um, like I said, I do a lot of energy work, and it is not uncommon for me uh, to experience elation. Um, I've experienced stress and anxiety. I even had an ulcer for a day uh, prior to going to uh, a client's home who I was going to be doing feng shui energy work on, and it turned out that that's what, you know, one of the reasons why they had called me is that their health had taken a severe turn and they had tried everything and they didn't know what else to do. And so they wanted to bring in an energy expert into their environment. And so I relate to this idea of, of picking up on the client's energy and having uh, an understanding that we are so truly connected. And I think we often forget that we are. And you actually, on, on your website, as I was doing some research, you have, it, it's funny because uh, I see this a lot in my own practice, but what I love is there are people out there that appear to have everything. You know, they have the cars and the shoes and the fancy house, and yet deep down they are truly unfulfilled. They are not happy. And you write on your website about, the reason that this is, is because of the dissatisfaction around spiritual neglect. And 
I think that because we are interconnected and we do have these energetic systems that do communicate by not recognizing our spirituality and kind of ignoring it, which you touched on a little bit ago, it's as if we're not nourishing ourselves. It's almost as if we're not feeding ourselves. So I'm curious, what have you seen in your practice with your patients? You know, I'm sure that people come to you and they are burnt out. They're probably afraid, you know, they're unsure of what they want in life. What does it look like when they come in and they've been ignoring this side of their life? Right, right. And I think, you know, as you're saying how we're all so interconnected and how sometimes you will come into a patient's home and lo and behold, you have their symptoms. You know, we're so interconnected and sometimes we even will empathically take on the energy of one another. And there's something beautiful in that because it means that we could feel each other, we can understand each other, we can heal each other. But it also could be a little scary when our boundaries, you know, could be violated by other people and when we don't know yet how to set those boundaries and we could be picking up all sorts of energy from others. So I see that a lot in my practice too, that people are what you call empaths, that empaths basically being individuals who are so sensitive and attuned to the energy of others that they make amazing healers, but it's harder sometimes to separate what is it that I'm picking up from others and what's authentically mine? So that's one way in which, you know, people can come into the practice. And more generally, in answer to your question, what happens when people feel empty? How do they present? For everybody, that presentation can vary. And it could be from people feeling depressed or anxious or suddenly having insomnia that they don't understand where it came from or panic attacks that started, or stomach aches or an ulcer, or inexplicable headaches, or any sort of symptom that either has been around for a while or actually just comes from nowhere that we really don't know how to explain. That's the whole thing. Emptiness is at the root of a lot of this. Emptiness being lack of authenticity, lack of soul alignment. And emptiness can present in a million different ways. As many people as come, that's how many ways emptiness can present. One of the ways in which people often try to fill their emptiness is through addictions. They feel empty and they want to make themselves full so that they could try to self-medicate with drugs, with alcohol, with sex, with food, and all the other things to which we can become addicted and that can you know, be something that's outside of moderation in our life. So I see a lot of presentations of addiction as well. So those are a few of the ways that these things present in my psychiatry practice. Yeah, and I just want to mention, uh, I had Dr. Uh, Sam Shea on the show, podcast number 32, and he talked about this same thing. He actually uh, specializes in stress and adrenal fatigue and addiction, and he talks about this very thing how many people, uh, a stress or a trigger will occur actually when we are young and we don't learn how to cope with it. And so as we get older, the emptiness grows and, you know, it becomes a, a cavernous canyon within us. And we think that if we consume more or if we become addicted to something we can drive that energy into like you just said the sex the drugs the gambling the food the shopping whatever it is and while it may give us temporary relief 
obviously, you know, it, it's empty calories. And so that's where that vicious cycle comes in. I'm curious, you know, we're talking about the idea of how basically the, the emptiness is coming from this lack of connection or lack of awareness that this connection exists. And, you know, everybody that I've had on the show and talked to would all agree how important spirituality is, whatever that looks like for you, um, whatever you want to call it. But when you, um, when you really honor that connection that we are all in this together, spirituality does truly nurture you. And that's where the, the inner wisdom comes. And, and that's where the inner happiness comes what are some stories that you've been able to experience with your patients where they've maybe come to you feeling broken and, and uh, you know, burdened by this thing called life and added an element of spirituality in their life and it completely transformed them and changed them? Yeah, yeah. Such a beautiful question. And yeah, those are some of my favorite stories indeed because my patients come in. So now that I have written my book, many patients come in knowing that I have a spiritual focus and wanting to introduce or to use spirituality as one of the modalities of our work together. And other patients come in, you know, with no such desire or interest. They come in because I'm a psychiatrist, so they want general psychiatric care. And for both of those patients, Oftentimes, in the course of our work together, we're led to spirituality, which can come in in a million different ways. And some of the stories of transformation with that have really been amazing. One of the things that I do with patients, especially patients who are skeptical, is I like to invoke the idea of synchronicity. Synchronicity are those magical coincidences that happen in our life that we really don't know why they happen or how they happen, but usually they're quite meaningful to us. For instance, you think about someone and then they call you. Or you have a dream about someone that you haven't thought about in a while and that person ends up bumping into you on the street just the next day, right? One didn't cause the other, but the co-occurrence of these events was really, really meaningful to you and that's what created the synchronicity. And so my idea and that what a lot of people believe is that the presence of synchronicities in our lives, it's like God winking at you or mother nature or the universe or whatever your you know, conception of something greater than yourself is. And synchronicities are a way of letting you know you're on the right track, keep going. Or if it's a number of negative synchronicities, it could be the universe or God saying to you, like, turn around, you're going the wrong way really reevaluate something that you're doing right now. So with that, I've had so many interesting stories with patients, especially skeptical patients. I'm like, okay, well, let's ask for a sign. And it just reminds me of one man who was quite suicidal, not actively suicidal, but having a lot of thoughts about suicidality because a lot of people come to me with that. I'm a psychiatrist and people come with very deep pain, sometimes not wanting to live. And I'm like, you know what? And he's like, I want to invoke spirituality. I want some sort of sign that there's something out there. I'm like, okay, let's together think about that. Let's together figure out, you know, what a sign would look like. And let's ask the universe to provide you with a sign that you in no uncertain terms would know is a sign meant for you. So we said this and then he left my office. The next week he comes in and he's like, I'm no longer feeling suicidal. I got a sign and it terrified me. 
So right as he left my office, he saw a dog hit by a car and the dog died. And for him, that was like a sign that in no uncertain terms was a sign saying, this is what death looks like. And that scared the bejesus out of him. And there went his suicidality. It's a kind of a, it's a disturbing story, but like that was his synchronicity. That was the turning point for this man. That was for him a recognition that when you ask for help and guidance, you will get that. And it won't always be pretty. But for him, that was the, the, the point at which healing began. It was kind of an amazing thing. Um, that's not the beautiful story you asked, but nevertheless, a significant one. I have many more that are, you know, more beautiful in nature, which I could share. Um, yes, but I'll, but I'll leave it to you, Amanda, because I've been talking for a while. So please. <laughs> no, I, you know, I, I think that it's really important for the audience to, to hear. Luckily, my audience is, is very uh, evolved and open to the idea of spirituality, but I do agree that especially when it comes to things like synchronicity, it, it's really about the art of paying attention, which is getting harder and harder in this chaotic world because everything is fighting for our attention. Um, but I would love to hear another story because I think it's quite encouraging to know, as you said, it, it's a wink from the universe or a wink from God. And I always tell my clients that it's, and this came from Oprah. She said this on her show years ago that, the universe or God speaks to us in, in many ways, and it often comes to us as a whisper. And if we don't pay attention and it's important, it, it will come in as a knock. And if you don't answer the door, it will come in as a roar. So I think that's, that's really how spirituality can speak to us. And, and synchronicity is a great way to um, really get those uh, communications from the other side. But I would love to hear another story because I think they're quite encouraging. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I couldn't agree more with Oprah's statement because so synchronicities are the way in which the universe communicates with you from the outside. That's like the universe showing you things outside of yourself. Intuition and those that quiet whisper is the way the universe communicates with you internally. And those are two ways in which you can connect to God, the universe, mother nature, whatever your something greater is. And so one of the key things I try to do with patients is to teach them to hear what their soul is saying at the level of the whisper. So it doesn't have to reach the roar. So it doesn't have to be cancer before they recognize, wow, something's wrong with my life. I got to change. So that's um, uh, in response to what you're saying about Oprah, which I just love. Now, a sweet story. Okay. Um, this is kind of actually an amazing story. I had... Um, a woman come to me who was one of multiple sisters in a family, and one of her sisters passed away uh, very tragically in a car accident about two years prior to us starting to work together. She started talking to me about this, and in the course of our discussion about this, the lights in the room start to flicker. And now, a lot of people come to me with grief, and I have noticed over time that in certain cases, things start to, you know, in the midst of grief, things start to happen. Once I had a buzzer fall off my wall, once I had a mirror fall off my wall. In this particular case, I had the light start to flicker. And whenever that happens, I say, you know, I said to this patient, I said, well, do you think that she is here with us? Do you think she's, you know, communicating with us? And, and if so, is there anything that you feel has been left unsaid that you'd like? say to her 
And that was really powerful for my patient because she really opened her heart and said to her sister, whatever it was that she hadn't said to her before she passed. But it continues because when she went home, she had that exact same thing happen at her house as she later told me, the lights kept flickering. And this is not somebody whose lights regularly flicker and in my office, yes, I do need to frequently change light bulbs, but it's also not something that I encounter either on a regular basis. So for both her and myself, this was quite a meaningful synchronicity and really for her, an idea that her sister actually is still present with her, but in a different form, and that she can communicate with her and connect with her even now. Mm, I love that story. I think that that is definitely encouraging because I think a lot of people do experience grief and it's hard to see the goods in life. It's hard to, I've, you know, had clients of my own that will, which you mentioned at the top of the show, this idea that God or universe does not exist if horrible things happen to us. And, and grief is definitely one of those uh, heavy emotions that's hard to bear for a lot of us. But I still think that understanding that we don't die when we die, that we just, you know, we change forms, which is a spiritual frame of mind. I feel like we've really covered a lot of the reasons why it's so important to incorporate spirituality into our lives. But I'm curious, just from your research and your amazing book, why do you think it is so imperative that people do incorporate some type of spiritual practice in their life to help ground them and kind of keep their ship steady? Right, yeah. I think first and foremost, it comes down to authenticity. I feel that a spiritual practice enables you to connect to your soul and start to live in an authentic way that it could be hard to live um, with um, if you don't have a spiritual practice. Um, so that's actually the first part of my book. It's all about connecting to your soul and starting to live authentically, which means starting to hear the voice of intuition, starting to ask yourself the questions of, if I were living a life that was a function of my unique talents and abilities and interests and contributions that I want to make in this world, what would that life look like? What is my sole purpose? And starting to live in that way and connect to the deepest part of oneself, I think that's really at the root of starting to really connect to something greater, first of all, but also live a life that you feel fulfilled in and a life where you're doing what you're meant to be doing in this world. That's what fills the emptiness that is so prevalent and that we were talking about earlier. Yeah, and I, I, I'm glad that you brought up authenticity again, because I think that when we are disconnected and not honoring our spiritual selves and really honoring this spiritual side of us, it is a disconnect from our soul. And so it's almost like you're getting further and further and further away from who you truly are at the core. And it's almost like your soul pinging you like, come back, you know, you're going the wrong way. Exactly, exactly. And I would say probably 50% of people who come into my practice come in because they're going the wrong way. They're living the life that they think that they should be living as opposed to the life that they really want to be living or need to be living. They're living the life that's expected of them by society, 
by their family, by their husband, by their wife, by so many others. And they have so many years and time and energy and effort, you know, so much of that behind them that it's hard to change course. It's scary to change course. And that's what I feel, you know, when people have the courage to align with themselves and align with their authenticity, everything starts to change and you start to become much more guided as well. When you're on your soul path, the, the universe starts to open doors for you. When you're off the soul path, it's those quiet whispers and then eventually the, you know, voice and then the roar to get back on the soul path so that you can do what you're meant to do in this world. Yeah, I, I so agree with that. And I think so many of us, we really, I just read a statistics the other day that said that most of us use 90% of our left brain and only 10% of our right brain. And so it, it's literally, we're living in the future and in the past and, and allowing, you know, external circumstances to really run the show. Uh, and doing things based on other people's expectations rather than being in the flow, which I agree takes us away from our sole purpose for, I have no problem with goal setting, uh, but I am curious about what your thoughts are about this idea of how we, and, and you said it yourself, as far as becoming a doctor, you, you did all the, the traditional um you know, things that were expected of you to, to do the American dream of becoming a doctor. But why do so many of us allow uh, the rules and expectations and judgments of others to really run the show as opposed to allowing that inner guidance and that inner wisdom and the flow of life to guide us? Right, exactly. I think often it's forces of habit and what we see around us. And then at the end of the day, it also comes down to fear. What if I make a change and I'm unsuccessful? What if I make a change and I make no money? What if I make a change and my husband or wife leaves me? What if I leave this relationship and never find anybody else? There's so many fears that keep people stuck in either self-destructive habits or habits that really lead to mediocrity in people's levels of happiness. You know, kind of to a state where, oh, okay, yeah, I'm compromising. Everyone compromises, but people don't feel fulfilled. They don't feel joyous. They don't feel like they're on their soul path. And it makes me think about what I just read, um, Wayne Dyer's distinction between motivation and inspiration. Just like you said with the left brain, we're so good at being motivated, at working really hard, at setting concrete goals, at being very deliberate and intentional. And once we have a goal, we go, go, go. That's motivation. That's the left brain. Inspiration is the opposite in many ways. That's the right brain. Inspiration is when you open yourself up to intervention from the divine. When you open yourself up to being guided, to letting doors open, to letting energies come into your life that lead you to one you know, person or one opportunity and then another door might close so that another one opens and you kind of see things in a much more inspired way. I've, you know, over the last few years, tried to live a more inspired life, a life of inspiration and a less motivated life. I've, you know, been super motivated my whole life and I'm kind of tired of being motivated. Living a life of inspiration, it's much more fun. 
I would agree with that 100%. <laughs> so for those who are listening today and, you know, they're really resonating with everything that we're saying about the importance of spirituality and why we must, must, must all have it in our lives. How can that, you know, they tap into the spiritual side of themselves and overcome these left brain uh, style roadblocks or, or seemingly big roadblocks that are pure perception uh, so that they can live an authentic life and really get into that flow. Right. So I think the first step is to try to get in touch with your inner voice, the deep intuition within. And this is the voice of the soul that can only be heard when the screaming of our thoughts and the yelling of our emotions temporarily ceases. And so people can reach that space in meditative times, at times when they connect with nature. Um, and you can also reach a state of intuition by asking yourself several times throughout the day, every day, what do I most deeply want? What do I need right now? Those two simple questions start to trigger your soul at a deeper level, you know, and sometimes things can come up, you know, that are like, I need a burrito right now. I need, you know, a cup of coffee. I need to sit down. I need, those are all physical needs, bodily needs, but is, is it a burrito that you need or is it a deeper sense of nurturance and being fed in another way, psychologically, emotionally? Is it, do you need to sit down right now because you're tired or do you need to just take a break and slow down in a more general way in your life? Sometimes what first comes into our mind is just actually a metaphor for what we most deeply want on a deeper level. So I think that's actually the first step to ask yourself multiple times a day, what do I most deeply want? What do I need right now? And see what comes up. And don't just think the answer, but feel it in your body. See if any emotions come up. Let thoughts come to you, you know, and just see where you go from there. And is that how you recommend that people do tap into their intuition to, you know, start having that little love affair with their inner wisdom is to ask those questions? Absolutely. That is one of the steps. Another way is if you're open to being, to doing a small writing practice, to do some stream of consciousness writing every day, five minutes. And stream of consciousness writing is writing whatever is on your mind and not letting the left brain interfere. Meaning you start writing and you just write anything. And if you don't know what to write, you just write, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. You just keep writing and you don't lift the pen from the paper. You don't lift your fingers from the keyboard and you don't look back. You don't criticize. You don't judge. You don't proofread and you just let it come out. So it's you're creating a free flow of energy from the depths of your soul. And to give even five minutes a day for that process starts to prime the pump. If you're not someone who's ever done this work, you'll initially start. And then over time, slowly but surely, new things are going to come up that will surprise you. Mm, I love that. And we've actually been given that tip a couple of times on the show, stream of consciousness. So I encourage everyone to do it. I do it myself. I think it's a fantastic tool to really get into, uh, you know, get away from the surface and really get into the depths of your soul and, and kind of do some decluttering or detoxing, so to speak. Exactly, exactly. And there's so many other things. And the other thing is when you start this process, a million things are going to come into your life. New books are going to come into your life, either through a friend or, you know, the funniest thing was one of my 
psychiatry colleagues was starting this process herself. And she's walking to her own practice and literally at her feet falls a book that I had told her about over and over and over. And it's a book that I love so much and recommend to many of my patients called Calling in the One, How to Draw in Your Soulmate in Seven Weeks by Catherine Woodward Thomas. And literally for my psychiatry colleague, this book looked like it had fallen from the sky. And she picked it up and she's like, this is a sign. If there's any sort of synchronicity or sign, this is a sign. And so she read that book. Oh, I love it. I love it. Well, Dr. Anna Yusen, I want to thank you for coming on the show today. I think that this is information that everybody needs to um, not only take on in their life and, and be open to, but uh, to continue to have the love affair with life, look for those synchronicities and look for the beauty and magic that surrounds us that many of us really miss because we're not paying attention. If people are interested in your book, how the science of spirituality can help you live a happier, more meaningful life or would like to work with you, where can they find you? Sure. Uh, my book, Fulfilled, How the Science of Spirituality Can Help You Live a Happier, More Meaningful Life, is available on my website or on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or anywhere that books are sold. And my website, which also has my contact information, is www.annayusim.com, which is A-N-N-A-Y-U-S-I-M, as in Mary. And I just want to say your website is fantastic. It's chocked full of very valuable information. I think if somebody is trying to find their purpose or kind of go down the rabbit hole of soul searching, I think that your website is a great place to start along with your book. Thank you so much, Amanda. Well, thank you again, Anna, for coming on the show today. I, I had such a fantastic uh, time speaking with you and um, I'm excited to share this interview with my audience and the listeners of the Home Energy Design podcast. Oh, well, I so appreciate you taking the time to learn about my work and thank you so much for having me. Fear is often what keeps us stuck because within fear we are lost in the what ifs. What if this happens? What if that happens? And the problem is, is that when we don't realize that we truly do have the tools and that we truly do have the connection necessary to take that leap, even though it is into the unknown, it is truly the best place that we could possibly be. Synchronicity is the art of paying attention. So what is being gifted to you? What is surrounding you? What whispers and messages is the universe giving to you? Start paying attention. Start putting this on your radar. Whatever your something greater is, is out there because that is where you can connect to your soul purpose and authenticity. And that is how you will serve the world. All right, everyone, this is Amanda Gates. Thank you for joining me on Home Energy Design today. If you would like more information about this show, you can head on over to our website gatesinteriordesign.com. We will also have show notes so that you can find Anna's resources and book along with other uh, tools and resources that she mentioned on the show. All you have to do is put in the search bar her name and her episode will come up. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe, leave us a review. We love to hear from you. And if you'd like to give us a shout out, you can email us at let's chat 
at thegatescompany.com. Hey everyone, trust the vibe, because the energy never lies. 